Welcome to the Shenmue AM2 Podcast. Welcome to the premiere edition of the Shenmue AM2 Podcast, starring myself, Andrew Letson, and my co-host... Matt Humphrey. I am the M in the M2. I am the A in the AM, and there's two of us. Pretty Makes easy sense. name. Makes sense. We're geniuses. A lot of work in that one. <laughs> uh, so, again, as I mentioned, this is the premiere episode, and what we're here to do is hopefully, uh, for a long time, there are many, many episodes have a Shenmue podcast. Talk about the game, talk about what we like, what we dislike, Kickstarter, and uh, just different topics every episode. So I think we should start out with, uh, you know, who we are while we're here. Um, so both Matt and I uh, live in St. John, New Brunswick, Canada. No one's ever heard of this place. Never. <laughs> uh, Matt and I actually went to high school together. I think we only had one or two classes. Um, I, don't, I don't remember this at all. Together we had... Uh, uh, some media studies class or something. And, uh, you know, just kind of hay in the hallway type thing. Um, but then Matt and I had an encounter uh, in a grocery store, which, <laughs> as weird as that sounds, we'll get that, we'll get to that. But uh, that's why we're here, is to talk about uh, Shenmue. Um, lately, uh, Matt and my wife actually work together, so that's how we um, still know each other. No, it's it's a good thing that I do work with your wife because we yeah we had that chance in, uh, encounter at the grocery store and it would have been forever uh, missed connection if not for your <laughs> your wife and I working together. So you want to explain what happened at the grocery store? So my wife and I are in a grocery store and I can't remember what we we're buying. Doesn't really matter, but uh, my wife and I were separated for a moment and I just happened to see um, I see Matt and his wife walking through the grocery store and at this point. I am not with my wife. She, I think, went to use the washroom or something. And I see Matt is wearing uh, a Shenmue jacket. It's a replica of Ryo Hazuki's jacket. And from afar, I again, it was a ways away. I didn't say anything to him. And I... There's not a lot of things I would change in my life, but if I could if I could change that moment, I definitely would have said something. <laughs> so a few days later, I'm at my work, and my wife's at her work, and I emailed her, and I'm like, ask Matt if he was wearing a Shenmue jacket, and I'll let Matt take it from here. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, she asked me that, and I was like, yeah, and she's like, I think we saw, or I think uh, my husband saw you wearing it at a at the grocery store he's a big Shenmue fan I was like oh I had no idea that's cool so uh, that yeah that's how we we, we found each other <laughs> um, but yeah if, if we didn't have your wife to go through then you you just would have been like I think that guy's wearing a Shenmue jacket oh I should say something oh, he's gone oh goodbye friend <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I would have said either it would have been some line from the, the game probably would have been just while having to be like don't you know that blackmail's way uncool? <laughs> uh, that would have been great. <laughs> I mean, I specifically wore the jacket trying to lure in Shenmue fans. <laughs> uh, why else would I have it? I want somebody to approach me and what? say, hey, is that Shenmue? <laughs> wasn't that a, luring in Shenmue fans? Wasn't that a show on NBC to catch a mad angel or something? <laughs> yes, I think so. I think so. It never works. Actually, no. A uh, few, few months ago, I was wearing the jacket again. And I was eating alone in a KFC, and uh, I this guy I saw in my peripheral vision. He went behind me, 
and he stood directly behind me where my my uh, Ryo Hazuki tiger was pointing out, and I just heard a camera phone go off. <laughs> and I don't know if this guy took a picture to make fun of me, or if he's like, oh man, that's a Shenmu jacket, I could take a picture of this. I'll never know. Misconnection, maybe. <laughs> Do you work with his wife? <laughs> nope. <laughs> but that was, a, that was an odd moment. But yeah, that was the only two instances where my jacket did anything for me. All the other times I just feel cool when I'm wearing it. <laughs> yeah, what else? I should probably... Say why we like Shenmue? Yeah, um, I got introduced to it. I think Matt and I have uh, different ways that we were introduced to the game. Um, I just was at my sister's house and her, I saw her boyfriend playing it, and I was, I wasn't. It wasn't even that I was interested. It was just I was trying to have a conversation with her, and again, out of the peripheral vision of my peripheral vision. Sorry, um, I see him getting off a bus. And Ryo Hazuki? Yeah, I see Ryo Hazuki getting off a bus. That and never happened s- in video games back then, people getting off of buses. No. And then I see him uh, dry- racing a forklift in what appears to be a port. <laughs> and then I see him actually moving crates, and then I see him on his lunch break playing darts and getting balls out of a vending machine, and then he's talking to a homeless person, and then he's working again, and I just, I had never encountered a video game like that in my life. And this whole time, I'm still trying to have a conversation with my sister. And I just, I had to stop talking to her and just address this such an odd, odd, odd game that uh, my sister's boyfriend at the time was playing. And I've been hooked ever since. What year was that? Uh, it was shortly before Shenmue 2 was released. Okay. Um, so you so didn't get in on the ground floor. Uh, like no. me, <laughs> I uh, I saw it uh, in magazines leading up to it. Like I would always have EGMs and uh, Game Pros and stuff, and I'd always see previews and screenshots and uh, like features on it, just describing what it was going to be. So I started getting excited and anticipating it. And uh, this was before the internet, so the only thing I had to go on was magazines. But um, I still I don't remember knowing the release date of many games back then, but I knew the release date of this one and uh, I anticipated it and uh, I waited till it came out and I bought it on launch day and um, I brought it home and I was so excited, I was like convinced this was going to change video games and I, I, I'd never played a second of it and I was like, I'm like, entire family come downstairs and watch me play this game that's going to revolutionize video games and uh, they sat down and they watched the opening cutscene with me and then uh, I was given free reign to go go about and I walked Ryo Hazuki I proceeded to walk Ryo Hazuki to every neighbor's door and try to try to talk to all the neighbors because I think I had read that you could talk to everybody so I was just like perhaps they're out next door you know whatever else he says is anybody home <laughs> there no one's home and they my family got bored and they left because <laughs> I didn't know what the hell I was doing I was like I was so disappointed I was like ah this false advertising but then I you know I figured you're not supposed eventually I figured out you're not supposed to knock on all the doors you're supposed to talk to the people you see I think occasionally if you knock on a door somebody will crack one open and they'll tell you to go away basically yeah there's definitely uh, my last playthrough or my current playthrough of Shenmue 1 uh, there's definitely people that uh, just crack the door open and or they talk through the door or something yeah yeah, yeah there's a couple um, in the apartments when you uh, are in 
Yemenose, mm. I think it is. Uh, there's some people that will crack the door open and just uh, say that they're going to bed or something. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. So I didn't make a very good first impression of Shenmue with my family, but uh, yeah, I've always I've got good memories of exploring that game and figuring out how it works. And uh, I associate Shenmue with winter because I played it in the winter. What what day did it come out? Do you know the release? Was it in December or what? Don't remember the release date off the top of my head. Let's look it up. November 8th, 2000 is when it came out. So, yes, I associate it with the winter time, and I played it right up, you know, through Christmas holidays and stuff, so I always get the urge to play this game every time Christmas holidays are coming up. Yeah, I, for one, I remember with uh, first playing it at my sister's house, I think it was, or seeing it and then playing it, I think it was summertime, um, because again, it was shortly before the release date of Shenmue 2, um, which is another, my encounter with Shenmue 2 was such an, a chance situation. Um, I had read in a magazine at, uh, we're again, we're in Canada here, at a Zeller's, which doesn't even exist anymore. Oh, um, poor Zeller's <laughs> restaurant. Zeddy the Bear. Uh, shout out to Zeddy the Bear if he's listening. <laughs> um, I had read in a magazine that Shenmue 2 for the Dreamcast was not coming to North America, and I remember just being so bummed out about it. And my sister's boyfriend had an, he got an Xbox when they launched, and Shenmue 2 was coming to the Xbox. Uh, so for a Christmas present for him, I was going to get him the player's guide. So I went to my uh, local uh, electronics boutique at the time, and I'm in line holding the, the player's guide in my hand, and I'm ready to pay for it. And when I walk up to the counter, this was uh, the EB in our mall uh, has totally changed, but there was a glass case behind the counter, and the gentleman who's waiting on me, I hand him the hand him the player's guide, and, you know, I'm about to get out money to pay for it. And out of the corner of my eye, I just see a white Dreamcast logo. <laughs> and then the wording on the box underneath of it is sideways, and I literally cock my head to the side, and I see Shenmue 2. <laughs> and I immediately just, my right arm just rips out, and I'm pointing right at it, and I said, what's that? <laughs> and the fellow working, his name was Scott, he said, that's Shenmue 2 for the Dreamcast. And I said, I'll take it. <laughs> I didn't ask the price. I didn't care about the price. It was mine. Uh, so I had paid for it. Um, they did sell, back in the day, EB sold boot discs. Uh, I think it was called Boot X or something. Mm. And uh, he told me not to worry about it because he had a boot disc for it. This The gentleman that was writing on me, it was his personal copy that he had imported and then sold to the store as a cop. Uh, he sold it into the inventory as a copy of uh, Shenmue 2 for the Xbox. Um, so he said, come back the next day. So I went back the next day to get the uh, boot disc from him, and he said he didn't have it anymore. Mm. But he knew a guy that could make some. So he sent me down to the same in the same mall, Toys R Us, and that guy said he could make me a boot disc and come back tomorrow. So I went back, and I was going to, you know, I think he said it was like 10 bucks or something to make one. So I went back to Toys R Us. He said he couldn't make them anymore. And I said, well, I need this. need something to do it. What can you do for me? And he sold me a Game Shark for sixty nine ninety nine from Toys R Us. Is that retail price, or did he rip you off? No, no, that was retail price. Okay. And again, after owning this game and having it sit in my house for two days, 
I needed to play it. <laughs> and I remember getting home, the whole car ride home. Uh, it was my buddy. I ran into him with the mall, and his aunt drove us home. And I was just praying that it would be in English. And it wasn't, but it did have the English subtitles. Mm-hmm. So I could still play it. So I was still happy. So that was the European Dreamcast version. Yes, the PAL. Yeah, which, yeah, I, I also heard about it being cancelled, which I attributed to Sony killing Dreamcast with their PS2, and I vowed to never forgive Sony, and I never did until two years ago when I bought a PS4. But <laughs> So I held a grudge for a long time against Sony for killing the Dreamcast, and, and most likely Shenmue 2. Um, but, uh... Yeah, so I I heard about, somehow, I heard about uh, EB was going to be importing the game for anybody who wanted it. They'd be importing the European version for Dreamcast. And uh, so I plucked down the over $100 to do that. Um, And uh, yeah, I got that on release day two, or whenever they they had it available first day. And I'm pretty sure if you pre-ordered it, it came with the boot disc. It did come with a boot disc if yeah. you pre-ordered it at EB. Yeah. Um, I did uh, some research on it. Mm. But it was over $100? I believe so. I think it was like $112 or you know, just, just over $100. And that was back in 2001? Something like that, yeah. So I could be remembering it wrong, but I would pay that again. <laughs> oh, in a heartbeat. Yeah. <laughs> in a heartbeat's bar. <laughs> Shout out to heartbeat's bar. <laughs> So yeah, those that's that's our Shenmue one and two stories. Should we tell our Shenmue three stories? Or <laughs> we don't have that game yet, but no, I think we should save that for another episode. <laughs> okay, because uh, again, I think our Shenmue three stories are are relatively different as well. Mm. Um, uh, I think Matt's was more calm, cool, and collective, and I was definitely mm-hmm. uh, more Michael P. Huber like. Yeah, <laughs> in my basement, <laughs> ranting like a lunatic. <laughs> I wish I'd seen it. <laughs> so, I, yeah, my wife got to see it, and I'm glad she did, because she, in that moment, because I always kind of talked about Shenmue and how much I really loved it as a video game, and I say loved, I, I love that game, mm-hmm. and I don't think she, you know, necessarily understood, to no fault of her own, but I think that moment put it in context um, for her. Yeah, to show that your, your extreme feelings are genuine <laughs> towards yes. this game, but... Uh, so why do you like this game so much? What do you like about it? It was different. Um, I hadn't played anything like it. I hadn't seen anything like it. Um, it it played well. Um, the combat in it was great. Uh, the music, when you... You know, there's a there's a day in the game where something's going to happen. When you get to Dubuida, that music's just... It's different that day. Um, the pacing is very deliberate. The fact that you could play uh, Master System games in it. The fact that you had a Sega Saturn in your house. Um, The fact that you could go to stores, you could, you know, buy things, do raffles, feed a kitten. Mm -hmm. It was so different. And everyone in that game, every single character mattered. Everyone had their story. Um, And that's what really did it for me. Uh, What put the hooks in you? Um, I've I've been a big fan of anime and all things Japan for a long time and this game is the closest I've ever come to feeling like I've been to Japan like and it felt like I was living in Japan those few first few months when I was playing it in the uh, in the winter uh, of 2000 and uh, mostly it's just atmosphere like no no game before this had ever created a realistic lived-in atmosphere like this game had and uh, with you know believable 
people living in the game, not just, you know, not just characters, like, not just polygons. They felt like people, like, I still remember the first time I followed somebody around for a whole day. You know, I, I, caught, I caught them leaving their house in the morning, and then I just, like, I wonder where this person's going. And they, you know, went to their went to their shop and opened it up, and I just sat around, watched them all day. They took their lunch break, went back to work, and they uh, went home. Same place they came out of in the morning. I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> and then yeah. I, and then like every character does that basically. And, and that's that's a good way to put it. Is they're, I really like how you said they're not. They were just polygons in mm. other games. Um, comparing it to say another fantastic game, and again in my top five, uh, Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm. Say Kakariko Village. All those villagers, you can talk to them, but they're polygons. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't. Sure, each of them might have a little part in the game where you talk to them to advance the story or something, but they don't have their own life, mm-hmm. um, and that's what Shenmue. Everyone has their own life. Everyone matters. Everyone is um, everyone different. Everyone feels like they've lived there for a long time, and Rio knows them, and they know him, and it just feels like a lived-in world. That's one of the things I like. I like the first game better than the second because of that. Basically. I know the second one is going for the feeling of making you feel like a stranger in a strange land, like that's the the point. But I don't like that as much. I like I like the intimate community in the first one where Rio grew up basically, you know. I'm in the same camp. Yeah. I am a, a big fan of again, both are absolutely fantastic games and I I think they're both 10s out mm-hmm. of 10. Um, but the first one I do prefer just because it feels more quaint. Yeah. Um, you get a lot of hi Dio mm-hmm. um, people specifically addressing you um, and in the second one you don't have that and again it's intentional um, but it just it's building upon the story and it's it's obviously meant to be a bigger broader game mm-hmm. um, but the first one definitely has that uh, I don't know it's again it almost feels like a community yeah uh, and because it is a community, and it's designed to be that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and plus it's the Japanese versus the Chinese aesthetic for me. I'm, I'm more fascinated with Japan, which kind of makes me sad going forward in Shenmue because I'm pretty sure he's never going back there. But <laughs> no, I don't think he will. Uh, I don't think he will be back there. Yeah. Um, but um, but we do have the on the Kickstarter. Um, if you're a certain level, uh, you do have those phone calls. You can call home. <laughs> you can call home. Um, you you mentioning you doing your re- uh, D.O. impression there it reminds me we should uh, talk about the dub versus the original voices at some point. Not this episode, but another time. I'll probably end up playing those uh, Ryo Hazuki prank calls and stuff <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> Terry. Yeah. <laughs> No, those uh, the prank calls are funny. If you uh, if you're listening, mm-hmm. uh, just YouTube. Don't uh, don't look them up yet. I'll play them for you on another on another episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. If you haven't idea. if you haven't heard them. Um, yeah. What else should we do in this inaugural inaugural episode? Um, should we go through our collections or should we save that? Or? I think our collections could be an entire episode because we both have um, pretty different collections. Yeah. Uh, what's in them? Um, and I think they're both, or at least I know for myself, I plan on 
growing mine a little bit piece by piece every year. Mm. Um, there's a couple pieces out there that I would like to have that I don't right now. Mm-hmm. Um, like a sample Japanese copy. Yeah. So this is, is pretty much the end of the, the first episode here. Uh, we just wanted to introduce ourselves and share a few memories. But uh, going forward, we're going to try to do a few different things. But uh, one of the main things we're going to do is we're going to start a new playthrough of the game. And uh, we're probably going to go disc by disc. And uh, so we'll do one disc. We'll each get to the end. We'll take some notes as we play, you know, and uh, about stuff we've encountered. Um, and then we'll compare notes on the next episode. And then we'll, you know, continue on to the next disc and do that again until we get through both games. Um, we've got other things we want to do. We might maybe highlight some NPCs with interesting backstories because every single NPC in the game has a full fleshed out backstory which again you know Saga didn't have to do that yeah that was uh, to my knowledge the first game where literally every single person had a background Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that adds to the charm of the game Um, but yeah that's something that we're we're looking in and doing Um, Mm -hmm. talking like ideally we want to have the format to be um talk about our, where we are in the playthrough mm-hmm. compare contrast notes um, and then have a topic as well each mm-hmm. episode yeah. um, something about the game um, whether it be the Kickstarter uh, what we our thoughts were when Shenmue Online was announced way back in the day mm-hmm. um, I definitely had mixed feelings about that mm-hmm. uh, but that's where we want to go uh, with this uh, podcast yeah there is one more thing I wanted to mention I forgot when I was talking about the sense of presence and um, in the first game, uh, I've never had anything like I've heard. I've heard stories of like kids playing D and D for so long that they they like their brains got all messed up and they thought they were their characters and they walked out in front of a car or something in a daze. You know, I've never had anything like that in my life except for in Shenmue. I don't know if I played it for extra long or if I just got so engrossed in it that. Uh, I played Shenmue for a bit and then I went out with my family for a drive and I wasn't driving, I was in the passenger seat and there was a group of seagulls on the road and we were driving towards them and if I had been driving I would have smushed all those seagulls I would have driven straight through them because in my brain, you can't touch them they're going to fly away, right? (laughs) (laughs) Like, (laughs) Like my brain was in Shenmue mode like, because Rio, if you if you run if you run Rio straight towards a flock of seagulls, they all disperse before he gets there. But I would have been a seagull murderer if if I if I had been driving. <laughs> that's how that's the power of this game. That's how engrossed you can get. <laughs> but, Here in Saint John, New Brunswick, we could afford to be short a few seagulls. Yeah, though. that's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so th- those were our plans uh, going forward. And um, I guess we'll see you next time. Uh, I'm not sure how often we'll do these. Do we want to do it once every few weeks, once a month? Like what? No idea. Not Um, not commit to a schedule? Not commit to a schedule I think (laughs) is good for now until we get a few episodes under our belt. I mean, we've got a long time until Shenmue 3. I'm sure it's... I'm positive it's not going to make December 2017. Don't say that, Matt. <laughs> but just being realistic. Uh, I know I totally wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> but even if it get re- 
you know, even if it got delayed, say, December 2018, mm-hmm. one year more in a drop is a drop in the bucket of 16 years. Yeah. Right? That's so it's... I'm willing to wait for a, a polished product. Yep. As long as I don't get hit by a car before then or something. You know. And that's something <laughs> we will talk about. Uh, <laughs> not Matt getting hit by a car, but on... Uh, I actually... Uh, a couple months ago almost did pass away so oh, geez. we'll talk about that and how that was one of my things where when I was at the hospital I'm like hey this can't I almost happen. didn't make it to Shenmue 3 <laughs> this can't happen <laughs> I'm hanging on for Shenmue 3 so we'll get to the, that story and more uh, next time this episode has been brought to you by Jet Cola Jet Cola ah good <laughs> see you everyone bye <laughs>